Hello, Bulldogs fans, and welcome to the Two Dogs podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. The red, white, and blue is certainly flowing through this episode uh, of the Two Dogs podcast. It will be a beauty. I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing from our two special guests. I'll tell you about them in just a minute, and then we'll get stuck straight into it. But uh, a thank you to uh, the Past Players and Officials Association, as always. Uh, that's how this podcast comes to being, and uh, the chance for us to talk to some of these great players of the past of the club and uh, and bring their memories and their stories and what they're doing now back to you in, uh, in this forum. And a thanks also, of course, to our sponsors. And in this case, for this podcast, it is PFG Australia. Thanks to Justin and uh, his team and his family, because they are a family-owned business. Uh, they're a fully independent group of companies, so they've been around now uh, for over 20 years. So they were established back in uh, 2000. Hard to think sometimes that when you talk about things being established in 2000, that it's over 20 years ago. It's a family-owned business operating in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Three-generation history of serving tractor and uh, machinery markets uh, across Australia and New Zealand. So we thank them. They are in the heart of the western suburbs these days uh, in Derriment. So thanks to PFG Australia. You can check out what they're all about on their website, pfgaustralia.com.au. But what we know Justin and his family and his team are all about is supporting the Western Bulldogs. So that's good news. Now let's get into our Two Dogs podcast. Let me tell you about the two gentlemen I have for you today. They formed an amazing business partnership since their playing days. They uh, met during the playing days, which you'll hear all about, and then they formed a a terrific and a very lucrative business partnership over the years, which has endured and still goes on today. I'm talking about former captain, Brownlow medalist, best and fairest winner, and a man who played 237 games for the club, and a man who doesn't speak a lot uh, in public forums about his days at the Bulldogs, not for any uh, horrible reason, but just that he's not that sort of human being. But uh, we got him to talk on this podcast uh, this time around. I'm very happy to say Scott Wind is one of our guests and his business partner and great mate and former teammate, Glenn Coleman, is the other half of this podcast. Now, uh, Glenn or Gal, as you'll hear me call him uh, through the uh, through the podcast, because Galaxy uh, is his nickname, uh, started at Fitzroy, uh, played uh, 64 games there, then 61 games at Sydney, and then came to the Dogs uh, in a really unusual way, as you'll hear, at the start of the 1990 season and played 69 games for the club in the end, kicked 51 goals and really did have a terrific couple of years with the football club, particularly in 1992. Scotty, we know, came to the club as a, a youngster, played in the reserves and then graduated up, of course, to be the 1992 Brownlow medalist. Same year he won the uh, Charles Sutton medal. So we're going to talk to him about uh, all his time uh, at the club from 1988 to uh, to 2000, the Jakarta boy and uh, Glenn Coleman. So let's get stuck into it. This, uh, this is a beauty. I'm sure you're going to enjoy Scott Wind and Glenn Coleman. Hello, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, mate. Scotty's there as well now. Hello, Scotland. Oh, Glenn. Haven't spoken to you for a while. How are you been? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. How's life? You going okay? You all right? Oh, yeah. I'm just battling along. Unlike yourself. Oh, excellent. <laughs> you too. Fair dinkum. So let's start with the, the here and now. Business partners of recent times. Still business partners or not, Scotty? Um. Not officially, no. We um, we've been involved together since in business since about two thousand one. So um, the last business we had together, we introduced private equity to it a few years ago, and they invested into us. And yeah, we were bought out just recently, just prior to, to Christmas, before we bought out. So at the moment, we're both unemployed, aren't we, Mister Coleman? You know, we're we're just trying to eke a, eke a meager existence out uh, by um, you know, little odd jobs here and there. <laughs> oh, 
right. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're both officially, uh, yeah, both, both officially um, looking unemployed. for something. Unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll do. So, <laughs> so clearly you've, you've, had, uh, you've had great success in the business world and you should be proud of that, I, I would imagine, Gal? Yeah, I guess there was, uh, you know, a long there was a long um, relationship between Scott and I from football, and uh, he worked uh, with the same company that uh, uh, I was working in you know, 25 years ago. And you know, was sort of, um, my boss, Kev. He was the boss. Yep. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he, he pretty much ran his own race, though, Kev. Um, I tried to control him, but he was, uh, you know, he was pretty. <laughs> Pretty uh, independent, which was good. But and then we we developed from there and got a few ideas on thinking that well, we can do our own thing here. And we put a lot of hard work in over the years and and worked hard and formed a good partnership through um through mutual you know hard work and trust. Uh, did you two hit it off when you first met at the at the doggies, Scotty? Yeah, we we've spoken about this. Yeah, we we did. I mean, apart from. When, we, when I, my first meeting with Glenn was after I was coming back from Glansville Fever over the, the summer pre-season, and um, Glenn had had it previously, and he was advising me what I should do, including going and getting all these vitamin C injections and all this sort of alternative stuff, which for a young twenty-year-old from Jakarta was a little bit uh, a little bit new. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we did for some reason we um, we used to catch up in the gym a fair bit and. Glenn used to teach me all the techniques of you know weights and you know, how to do it, how to do things correctly. And uh, I don't know, we we just seemed to hit it off. We were we're two different types of people, but we we had the same mindset, I suppose. And um, that's worked really well for us for the you know the last twenty years, twenty plus years in business. And uh, yeah, it was uh, Glenn was always good to be around. He had a, a lesser center sort of sense of humour, and um, it sort of appealed to me a little bit that sort of uh, comedy. Gil, what did you know about Scotty when you walked in? Because he was a relatively newcomer coming up through the ranks when, when you arrived at the Doggies in 1990. Yeah. Um, I think uh, he might have only been 17. I'm not, were you 17, Scott? Nah, 19, 1920. 19, okay, 19, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sort of get him in the gym there and say, don't worry about those beach ways, weights. Just get in and lift his heart. <laughs> Look, obviously not the right thing to do, but at the time it was just go lift heavy. And build up quickly. So um, I don't know if he got injured doing that, but uh, <laughs> um, but we, we did hit it off. And it's, there was a period there where Scott was um, looking for you know meaningful employment. And Mark Kleiman at the time, who was the I don't know his football manager, he he called me and said, uh, uh, "Is there any jobs going at uh, you know where you're working?" And I, was, I think I was sales manager, or nearly sales manager at the time. And I said. Uh, Oh yeah, why not? So I got him on board and uh, finally talked the boss into putting him on. And um, when I put him on, I thought, "Geez, uh, this guy's unbelievable!" I had ten reps and he was out selling all of them. <laughs> and uh, and he was he was and he was only working about three and a half days a week. So I thought, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy, there might be a good plan in the works for this guy. So I think that's where I realised that, that if I was ever going to do anything outside of you know corporate life, then. I'd drag him along with me, and which we did, and it, and it worked out um, uh, worked out really good, and with a long-standing partnership, which which is rare these days. How was your on-field chemistry, Scotty? From your memory of those couple of years that Gal played with us, yeah, apart from splitting my lip at training one night because he zigged when he should have zagged in the the training drill we were doing at the time. Look, Glenn Glenn always claims that you know my 
success with the brown oak one from him actually picking up my man most of the time. The right. other ruckman dropping along that, you know, into the uh, into the forward line. So it, it probably has a, a little bit of truth to it. You know, Glenn's job was to pick up my the other ruckman and let Granny take mark of the year on him every second week. So. Um, <laughs> It, look, Glenn. Yeah, you know, I had a look at this recently. Glenn's time at the Bulldogs. It was yeah, you know, it was three three years, probably four if you count the last one. Glenn, when you sort of were injured all the time in '93, um, yeah. they were pretty amazingly stats-wise his best years of his career. He, um, you know, he's consistently taken the, the, the ten marks a game um, as a lead-up centre forward and. Yeah, you know, he played his role. I think earlier on, you were doing a little bit of relief ruck work with me, mate, weren't you? In the uh, you know, ninety, maybe ninety-one, and then um, uh, then it was just the main focus was playing that centre half lead-up role. And yeah, look, mm. it, it was it was a really good blend of the older guys, you know, Steve Wallace, Steve McPherson, Peter Foster's, you know, Glenn Hakui coming from Sydney, and a lot of the younger guys coming through, myself, Axe, Simon Atkins. Liber at the time. It was a really good blend of uh, the senior and the, the younger guys mixing on the field and off the field. Gail, your memories of that? Oh, I had a fantastic time with the, the dogs. It uh, it was really um, refreshing coming back to a club because I started with Fitzroy, and then I went to when I went to Sydney. It was a little bit disjointed up in Sydney because you know there was it wasn't a football state if you like. Yep. But coming back to like a real family club like the Bulldogs, and the players were just uh, a, a young, a lot of young group of guys coming through, and there was a lot of young guys around. You know, Scotty Jays that were coming through and, and played. You know, two hundred over two hundred games, some of them, and you could just see the enthusiasm around the place. You had a new, fresh coach in, in Terry Wallace. Wheel. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Terry Wheel, Yeah, Terry Wallace was after me, but um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was a great place to be around, and we had success on the field, which was even better. Gal, was was the doggies a bit of a? I know you've you've told the story many times about uh, about Terry Wheeler phoning you and you thinking it was a an offer to go to Williamstown and you weren't aware that your manager had put you in the draft. But was that whole experience for you a bit of like a, a football bonus? Look, it it, it was. It was. Um, it, it really put a full stop to everything because you know for for a career because I sort of checked out a bit. I'd had enough. I'd had the you know really bad chronic fatigue in Sydney and I. I sort of checked out and I really wasn't focusing on what was happening in Melbourne and the only thing you'd read about Melbourne footy was in the back page of, you know, a couple of, couple of lines in the Daily Telegraph in Sydney. And when Terry rang me, I hadn't kept up with the news that he'd actually, I probably wasn't that interested in what was happening in Victoria. And, I, and he's rung me and I thought, oh, no, I don't want to play for Williamstown. <laughs> it took me a while to realise that I'd appointed him coach of, of the Bulldogs. And he said, yeah, I kept oh. up with the news that the Bulldogs were going to emerge and then the fight back and all that. That was sort of too far away, was it? It was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, I checked out and I look, I, I, look, I probably did. I can't recall this. It's such a long time ago, but I hadn't sort of really put two and two together because, you know, um, like I said, I had just decided that I was going to finish up. Then another four years on top of that was a real bonus. It got me back to Melbourne and, uh, and it really invigorated. Uh, and I had a ball. I, I just uh, I just thought that I had a lot of unfinished business, and to come back and play another four years with with a really good, great club, fantastic club, and great people like Scott and and, uh, and you know and all the the coaches and the, even the guys around the club, uh, the trainers and medical, and they were just fantastic people. And I, and it just brought my enthusiasm back to the game. And 
And that's probably why I played my best footy there. Yeah. Go to your debut for the Doggies, and I'll talk to you about your debut on a tick, Scott, but your debut for the Doggies, Gal, was that infamous round one game in 1990 against <laughs> St Kildas, um, and, and they did that day. It was, a, it was a Tony Lockett exhibition match in the end, but a, a game that was full of all sorts <clears throat> of uh, emotions with the – you know, the, the fight back had been won and were running out in the ground for the first time. What are your memories of that day, if any? What I remember was that I did a big pre-season in the gym, unfortunately. I uh, I probably put on about, I think about eight kilos, but it was all muscle because I was in the gym. Well, I couldn't run more than about 50 metres before I couldn't. I was, I was out of breath. Uh, and I actually got dropped after that game. I think we got beaten uh, substantially in that game. I got dropped for the next game. And I thought, geez, I better lose this weight quickly because uh, I normally am a running player. It, it was um, probably not as emotional for me as other guys because I was just out there to try and, you know, hold a spot and not, not embarrass myself. And I probably did embarrass myself. But after I lost a few kilos, got back into it, I really got back in the screen. I think I played just about every game that year. So, yeah. Actually, I think I, got, I think I got brought in for you because I missed round one coming back from the Glenisla fever, mate. So, Sorry about that. I, I, I think I was the one coming and replacing you after round one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I, I think I had to rely on someone else to get injured to get back in. But I got in, yeah. got back in. Uh, we had a buy in the two, so I didn't have to play, which is good. So I got back into the team uh, the, the following weekend. Uh, you know, and I, I sort of had a good year, which 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 I which I really enjoyed. Did you drop the weight? Yeah, I dropped it very very quickly. I just. Didn't go in the gym for a while. Yeah. I stopped eating pasta and about four meals a day because I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll bulk up and that'll be good for, you know, 10 hour forward or whatever. But I couldn't run. It was like carrying a sack of potatoes on my back. But oh, it was a lesson, lesson, lesson learned. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, Scotty, your debut uh, in 1988, round 18. What's your memories of, of that game? Yeah, uh, first season, season of sort of playing senior football against men. It was sort of, took me a little time to, to get used to it. I'm not quite sure my form was that great. I think there was a few injuries that day. Stuart Wigney made his debut. I remember Brenton Bilchins also came in. There was a there was a few out. We're playing Brisbane on a Sunday, which was a little bit unusual for the the Western over at the time to host a Sunday game. And I was an emergency, and I knew I was playing, but I couldn't tell anyone apart from mum and dad. So played, started, started in the ruck, picked up four possessions in the first 10, 12, 13 minutes, and was doing all right. And Got taken off, as Mick said, afterwards for, for team balance. And as you do in those days, unfortunately, the team's going all right and we were you know, winning quite comfortably against Brisbane. You you didn't get a run. So four, four possessions in the first sort of 12 minutes and then sat on the bench for the rest of the game after 12, 13 minutes. And uh, look, it was great to get that first game. I mean, growing up you know, as a kid, all you wanted to do was play one game of VFL at the time. Um, the main thing I remember is my first kick, two kicks came from a ruck contest where Roger Merritt belted me in the back of the head. <laughs> they were my first two kicks in uh, VFL from Roger just hitting me, just going whack, whack, missing the ball and hit my head, unfortunately. Right. And you wore the <laughs> uh, the traditionally famous uh, number 52. Number 52, yeah. It's um, Wiggers, Stuart Wiggins was 51. and oh, Sorry, 50, 50, I think he was, or 53, whatever it was. And I got 50, 52. And, didn't care what number kept, but was happy to uh, happy to have it, and then upgraded to fifteen the following year. Let's talk about your nineteen ninety two year, a terrific year for both of you. Actually, you both had really good years in ninety two, but obviously, Scotty, you won the best and fairest, and, and won the Brownlow. Went in favourite on the night. 
What are your memories now when you look back on on that night and on that year? I'm just disappointed I didn't thank Glenn in my acceptance speech. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, from what he tells me, he played a very big part in that. So, yeah, a bit of regret there. Look, well, in all honesty, we we'd been beaten smacked by Geelong in the prelim a couple of days prior. Couple of nice days commiserating with the boys, and went in there and I, I actually. I, I, I was favourite, but I, I never saw myself as favourite. As, as funny as it sounds, it was just I, I didn't think I was yeah you know, a, a chance. I thought you know the Dunstalls had played you know had kicked almost 150, and Ken Hinckley had a really good year. Stewie Lowe was, and Mick McGon was the other one who'd racked up a heap of possessions. So you know, as the night progressed, sort of got closer and closer, and I was leading, and um, they came down to the last round and timed it really well with. Um, Geelong playing Hawthorne and Jason Dunster was two votes behind and come up to the last vote and it was uh, Hawthorne, Jay, Taylor. And I actually didn't hear it. I had Liver jumping on top of me and, and Hawk there with his busted nose sort of jumping up and down. And I actually didn't hear that, yeah, the, 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 the casting of the vote. So when it actually happened and sort of walking up on stage, all I thought to myself is just don't fall over. Don't trip over and make a goose of yourself. And <laughs> Uh, I was that stunned. I don't think I could hardly speak up there on stage, uh, unfortunately. And yeah, you know, it was. I didn't thank enough people because it, I was purely and simply petrified. Two years earlier, I was sitting in uh, lounge room at home watching Libba winning the Brownlow and thinking, "Geez, wouldn't it be great just to be able to go to the Brownlow?" Yeah. Um, and then two years later, I'm up there accepting something that, as a kid, you watched year in year out on TV. It was. Very surreal, and and as I said, a little, well, yeah, I, I was just to a certain degree, I was a little bit embarrassed, I suppose, um, looking back. But you know, after after it sunk in, and you know, it's just a, a, a great moment for me. And with a lot of help from a lot of people, it was uh, the right time. You know, a lot of players had really good years for the Bulldogs that year. We won plenty of games, and right place, right time. Yeah, did it change your life? A lot of people talk about the Brownlow changing their life. Did it change yours? Um. Allowed me in business to sell a few more bins in our in our industry. I think because oh, it's a bit easy. You, you do you do lead to remember the sort of um, the Brownlow medalist, but um, not so much changed your life. I mean, it put a little bit more pressure on you in the years afterwards, I suppose. But I wouldn't say. I mean, I know Jimmy Steins did really well at it the year before. Jimmy was you know, the Irishman coming from overseas, and but no, for, for, for me, apart from getting a, a, a nice. MX7 for a year from Steve Wallace and John Andrews at Essendon Mazda at the time. Uh, it was pretty much uh, you know, things the way they were prior. Yeah. Hey, Gal, 92 was probably your last proper year of footy because 93 you were injury plagued. But 92, as, as Scotty mentioned, was a good year for the club. Geelong nutted us again uh, in the finals. So yeah. What are, your, what are your memories of 92 as your, your kind of your swan song? Well, I recall the finals when we had against the Kilda. Uh, that was probably a real highlight because – I played, uh, that was probably my 10th finals game in my, my career, and it was the only winning one. So um, oh, wow. it was quite a highlight for me, yeah. So, and to get that far, and it really was great to almost finish on, on a high with that. It was a shame. Look, we we, we were probably a, maybe one or two players shy of being able to, uh, you know, beat Geelong and, and, uh, and play in a grand final. But look, um, you know, still it was, it was disappointing, but from where the club was, you know, three years earlier, uh, it was a, and it was an amazing effort. 
And what happened in '93 that uh, that you, your body just finally said, "No, nah, that's enough." No, not really. I, I had a I had an ankle. Uh, what what it was was I had an ankle injury at a preseason game. I played uh, we played St Kilda in a uh, practice match, and I rolled my ankle. And uh, stupid me decided that I'd you know that that that's not going to stop me. So instead of having a bit of a rest on it, I uh, I kept on training it, just strapped it up, and I think I played the first game against Collingwood, and I was like strapped up like a mummy. In hindsight, I should have just bitten the bullet and said, "No, I'm, I'm. I just need to have a break." In the end, it caused a lot of bone bruising. I had some bone scans, and it just I couldn't get it right for about four or five weeks. And by that stage, you know, all the other players had come and taken, I guess, taken my spot. And it was pretty hard to get back in. Uh, I, I think I, I think I probably played a couple more after that injury, but I didn't play well enough to sort of hold the spot because I couldn't turn or twist or turn. But look, I'd probably, I probably you know, I was thirty three at the time, so. It was a good time but to bow out and um, enough's enough sort of thing. Yeah. Scotty, how did your body manage to get you through the 237 games that you played given the early days of your footy, you know, as a teenager? Were, were You had injuries after injury after injury. Look, as a junior, yeah, I mean, probably from the age of 13 through the 17, I didn't get a full season in. Dislocated my kneecaps twice, um, both knees. Ankle issues, just just growing, growing issues, broken arms, torn thighs, all that sort of stuff. So it was, a, it was good to sort of get myself right to, to you know, be picked up by the Bulldogs. And then earlier on, uh, David Young, you know, the, the, the great David Young, who's sort of done a lot of work with the Bulldogs and Bulldogs players for so many years, sort of said to me that you know that the, the knee caps aren't great and that it's you know, potentially bone on bone in the future in the knees and just the alignment of them weren't great from previous injuries and you know, the suggestion was you sort of what do you want to deal with you know once footy's finished you're, you're going to have a fair bit of pain if you try and have a career and you know, 19 year old kid 18, 19 year old kid you just want to play footy so um, a lot of the coaches the club, the medical staff were great during 13 years, um, you know, I adjust my training a fair bit as the, the body got older and, you know, probably learned to live with a, a bit of pain. It was just just a lot of help and, you know, in, in the end, you know, I was very grateful to get the 13 years I did. Uh, injuries are part of it. And, you know, I was lucky. You know, you only got to have a look at guys like David Schwartz who only did his knee four times yeah. and, and other people who, you know, might have only got two or three years out of their body. It, it, it's, you know, I'm just Grateful that that through you know the work we did off the field and and being smart about the, the training schedules training schedules that um, I was able to get through that period. Did Plough put it on you when he came uh, as, as senior coach that you know we weren't going to keep you in Cotton Wool anymore that you were going to be thrown out there with everybody else? Did did, did that happen or was that a, a much talked about myth? Uh, it did happen, but it wasn't okay. You go and run ten k's on the roads when the other guys run ten k's. So if they were doing a, a, a time trial you know, or, or some running, I'd go and jump on the treadmill, do the same amount of case, but okay. on the treadmill with a bit more, or run on the grass. But there, there was still allowances there. You know, when Plough took over, I was 27. The, the, the thing with Plough was he he knew what buttons to push and he knew my buttons uh, were, you know, potentially you haven't got much longer, if anything, and you, you need to, you know, basically commit to a year-by-year proposition and and that's what I did that was the the change of mindset that I suppose Plough 
pushed me into was I actually only had three three or four one-year contracts to finish my career from 97. Every year, I'd only ask for another year because I treated every year from 97 and I finished in 2000 as my last potential year and then get to the end of the year and assess, yeah, I'm okay, I'm ready to go for another year. So the last three contracts meant that I was only playing for that year and not trying to keep the body going for another two or three afterwards. And I think that was good for me, just to uh, as, a, as a mindset at the start of each season. Yeah. Hey, Gal, uh, you listed uh, you were listed as the only player to have played fifty game, fifty plus games for three clubs. Lee Brown uh, joined you in that elite little group. Uh, now there's just you and him. Do you have uh, do you have yearly meetings? Uh, a bit of a catch up. <laughs> you and Brownie. I thought I thought there was someone else uh, recently, but maybe I could be wrong about that. Oh, look, I, I no, obviously not. Uh, I haven't met Lee Brown, but uh, that seems to come up a lot. That that stat, and um, probably a good, not a bad one to have. But at least it shows that you know you've given you all to at least three clubs. So um, rather than going there and, and failing, so yeah, I don't mind it. You made your debut in 1980 for Fitzroy against Hawthorne, and then you you finish in 1993 with what 194 games, 115 goals. Were you happy with? With that as, as your sum total and how it finished up? Um, it would have been nice to have got, uh, you know, the 200-day games or premiership games. I think they'll made up with a few New South Wales State games and night games that counted back then to get the 200. But, mm. no, look, I was very happy. You know, a boy from Sydney who played rugby league all his life, it was it, it's just more more importantly, it's what it brought me. And it brought me uh, an opportunity to, to do something, get outside my, my western suburbs home in New South Wales and, and come to Melbourne and really create a life and, you know, meet people like Scott that you can go into business with, play great footy clubs with, and meet so many people. And uh, I'm not disappointed at all. I, I, I'm certainly look back and I go, well, did I deserve to play that many? Who knows? It's not up for me to me, me to uh, comment on. But to, to play for 13 years, I guess I must have had a, had a, a, will, a strong willpower to continue on and play the best I could. But um, – Happy with that. I've, I'm never. I've never been a student of the game. I've never really interested me to do any coaching. Yeah. Um, I just enjoy. I just enjoyed playing. That was it, and I and I enjoyed every minute of it. Is there a playing highlight, a, a game, or a moment that sticks out in your mind now that you look back? I think I had about three good games in that, that lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think. I, I did did really enjoy that St Kilda game when we were on the final. I think that was the happiest I've ever been after the game. Um, because that was that was at a, a higher level, and to actually win one of those was terrific. Yeah, I'd have to say that would would have been the highlight that yeah. final against St Kilda. And post football, does the nickname Galaxy sit well with you, or does it annoy the bejesus out of you? Um, no, it doesn't worry me at all. I think it was you know people don't say it with with any sort of malintent or nastiness. It's uh, it, it was was given to me early days, so I think you know since I got that nickname, I might have been a What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, focused a lot better, or <laughs> been a bit more attentive later on. It was, it was, it was one of those things where I was sorry. I'm going to start in there. Too, really? <laughs> <laughs> Just the same oh, person I've dealt with for the last twenty years in business. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's uh, it, you can't have uh, quality all the time. Every now and then, there's a little spurt, spurts of genius, and then the rest of it's pretty bland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me! How is the body, gal, these days? No, really good. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm going to 
track of Scotty being there. Uh, Come on. I'm at my playing weight. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting around my playing weight. And I think, you know, I've tried to say to Scott, well, look, if you get back to your playing weight, your knees might feel a lot better. But um, I'm, I'm okay. I've got a, a, a chronic knee that doesn't really worry me too much. I just can't run on it, but I don't have any pain. Other than that, my body's, body's pretty good. And what about physical activity these days? Do you do much? Oh, look, I just do some gym, um, you know, ride, a, ride the bike a bit. But unfortunately, I used to play a lot of tennis afterwards, but unfortunately, uh, oh, a lot of golf actually. But that's, but that's enough for me now. If I, if I do too much on the knee, it likes to blow up a bit and, and swell. So I keep it at a nice level. Scotty? Uh, but every time, yeah. Hey, let me answer for Scotty. Every time I ring Scott, every time I ring him in the afternoon, all I can hear in the background is his treadmill going. So he does 14 Ks in the treadmill every day. But I think I think uh, he's worn his... Not quite. Not quite. Is it? No, well, Glenn shames me, Kev, because he is, he is very, very lean nowadays. Um, he comes from not working for the last three years, <laughs> yeah. um, while other people have had to contribute to the business. But, <laughs> yeah, look, my, my body's going okay. It's not as good as Glenn's, but... Um, yeah, I, I had a bit of a COVID health kick the last couple of years and been doing a lot of walking and uh, no, not a lot of running. Yeah, the, the body just says, what the hell are you doing? And, uh, and the knee just blows up. So, But trying to keep active as much as possible. The old push-off and sideways movement, trying to play a tennis or cricket or something like that, is getting harder and harder. But um, yeah, just, just putting one foot in front of the other, Kev, at the moment, which is good and lots of it. What about a playing highlight for uh, for you, Scotty, from the from the two hundred and thirty seven games you played? Um, apart from playing with Glenn, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's uh, obviously everyone expects me to say the Brownlow, and the Brownlow was fantastic, and it, it, it was you know, the, the highlight of my you know, individual career, uh, along with the best interiors that year by a mile. Um, it was fantastic. It was a, a great honour, but it, in all honesty, it was being captain of the Bulldogs from from 94 to 2000. You know, to get that honour, you know, it was something I wasn't ready for at 24, um, something I hadn't even considered or wanted. But, you know, to, to, to be captain in over 100 games, and at the time there was only two others, EJ and I can't remember the other person at the top of my head at the time, who'd actually done that for the Bulldogs in their you know, entire existence was, was very something I was very proud of. And, Something that I I just think I, I grew into the job because there was no manual back in those days. There was no real support. You just got told you had to toss the coin at the start of the game and try and remember that which way you were kicking after you tossed it and ran back to the group and and that was it. And the, the rest of it you sort of you learnt on the run. And um, that that's yeah that's something that to, to have that opportunity at the Bulldogs for so long and. You know, we played finals in every year apart from one in 96 during that period. So it was a, a pretty, you know, not ultimate success, but reasonably successful period with a, a, a fantastic bunch of guys coming through at that time. So, yeah, that, that I'd count that as my, my biggest honour at the Bulldogs, kid. Yeah. And, and the, that first year that you were skipper was probably your hardest year as a player too, wasn't it, in terms of things not going right for you? Yeah, I think I've only played eight or nine games that year. Um, you know, Wheels had been given the sack after, I think, round two. Um, yep. You know, there was a, it just wasn't clicking um, with a lot of things that, 
you know, had getting Joycey in, and 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 it was just frustrating for me that you know I wasn't really a talker back in those days. I was, I was trying to do it with actions, and you know, keep getting injured every second or third week, and then missing another three weeks, and then coming back and playing, and you know that that's that just just didn't work that first year. Um, and it's pretty frustrating. That was the you know, the worst and the most frustrating year of my career, and to have been the first year as captain was uh, very disappointing. And to finish, uh, the the thought, your thoughts on uh, how you felt about the 2016 Premiership win? Glenn, you want to go? No, you go first. All right. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Um, look, it, it was prelim final was probably watching that and after the boys won the prelim with us stumbling so often and you know, through, you know, either being beaten by better sides or, you know, unlucky uh, sort of side of things and, to, after they won the prelim, that was probably the most emotional I was. It was just to get that monkey off the club's back and to make it through, and to do it in the, ex- the exceptional circumstances that the, the players did. You know, having to go to Sydney, having to go to Perth, having to play, you know, Hawthorne, the most dominant side in the last five or six years prior at, at the MCG, and to get to a grand final. Once we got there, I. I honestly had full confidence that they would win. They, it was just seemed to be their destiny and their fate. And you know, I went there with the family and Glenn family as well. We sort of um, didn't sit together. But we went to the function prior to the game, uh, our families. And I got there early with the girls and wandered around the ground just to just to take in the atmosphere and enjoy the moment. And you know, once uh, once they you know the, the final siren went, it was you know I was so excited for the players. You know, a static for the club, but my main joy came from just walking around the ground afterwards, looking at the supporters. Yeah. You know, so many supporters for sixty plus or sixty odd years, fifty odd years that had been tormented through lack of opportunity, and you know, and you know, finally they can be proud to you know be bulldog supporters and you know, wear their scarves for the next two or three weeks. It was just great just seeing the relief on the those those supporters. That that's that's that just gave me the most joy after the game. Yeah. Gal? Oh, look, well, pretty much just about everything Scott said. You know, on the day, it was just um, disbelief to, to finally see the dogs after so many, uh, you know, I guess, you know, Adelaide was our nemesis there for a little while and, and had attempts at trying to play in the grand final and finally get there. And I'd hope they hadn't run their race because they just scraped through in some of those games unbelievably with so many injuries and they'll they'll patched up. Uh, you know, I'd hate to think how many jabs that a lot of those players are sort of playing under duress with, and um, and to see to to see them break the back of Sydney late in the game, it was just euphoric, and and it was almost unbelievable that they'd finally finally got there because it was almost like when are they ever going to do this? And to to do it to do it the way they did, it was even it was even more remarkable with uh, with so much odds. The odds were just against them, and it was just it was. For me, it was, yeah, it was a bit of emotion and um, all those years I'd take my son to the footy and we'd almost get there or we'd had, we'd had periods where they couldn't win a game and it was like he was over, my son was over, my whole family was going, you know, berserk uh, during the game. So it was just great to see for everyone and like you said, supporters, the club itself and it, it just gave them self-belief to, to, to continue to do that, to, to see themselves as a, as a club that can actually achieve it. And uh, you never know, 2022 might be another one. Who knows? Absolutely, yeah. 
Let's hope so, Kev. Just, uh, you know, they, they've got the title, that's for sure. And, you know, Bevo's, you know, doing a fantastic job. So hopefully they can maybe plug a couple of holes there and um, give themselves another opportunity and hopefully finish top four. Mate, you know, stop doing it the hard way. <laughs> Did you have much to do with Bevo uh, when he was at the club, Scotty? <laughs> well, I don't think we were close, close or anything like that. But, now, Bevo was all that, always that quiet, unassuming guy, sort of sitting in the background sort of thing and you know, having a few comments here and there. And he, he always looked to me like he was analysing things. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, that's, uh, <laughs> that's why he's become the coach he has. But one thing he knew about Bevo was that he would never shirk the, shirk the contest. You know, it was head over the ball, attack the ball at all times. So, um, you know, it was a master stroke to get him to the club. Um, as a coach, as it turns out, and that's yeah. um, yeah. Hopefully, he can keep going. Uh, gentlemen, thank you both for your time. Both been very generous uh, with your time, and I appreciate it. And uh, sharing your memories of your days at the doggies, uh, and good luck and uh, good health for the future. Thanks, Kev. Good to talk to you. You only Kev. Thanks, Mike. Two very entertaining dogs there. It was great to have them. My thanks to Scott and my thanks to Gal uh, for being on the uh, on the podcast and giving us their time and hope to see them at the footy uh, during this year. Thanks to Glenn and thanks to Scott for their time. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Uh, thanks once again to our sponsors, PFG Australia. Uh, of course, you can check out uh, all you need to know about uh, Justin and his uh, family and their business in the west of Melbourne, pfgaustralia.com.au. And we thank them for supporting the Past Players and Officials Association. Hope to see you at the footy. Hope to see more doggies wins. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Two Dogs podcast. There's plenty more to check out where you found this podcast. Go back and uh, have a listen to some of the earlier episodes with some of the legends of the club. And I'll have uh, another Two Dogs for you in the next episode coming soon. Go the doggies. But you can't beat the ball.